we are privileged for the second week here in a row with Mac and family being out of town to uh, uh, be able to pull from one of our sister churches. Uh, Connor Tate's with us this morning. Uh, he and his wife and son attend University Baptist over in Beaver Creek, and we're, we're blessed and privileged to have you with us to bring God's word to us. And so, Connor, if you'd come. All right, good morning, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. It is wonderful to be here. Um, such a privilege and honor to be able to um, just uh, visit new churches uh, within the GDAB, the Greater Dayton Association of Baptists. Uh, just a wonderful uh, work that God is doing through uh, the churches that are affiliated and in partnership with, uh, with the GDAB. Um, as Jeremiah said, my name is Connor Tate. Um, my wife and I attend UBC, University Baptist Church in Beaver Creek. Um, we'll have been attending six years here uh, in just a couple weeks. Uh, we love it there. We love what God is doing. Uh, I've served in different capacities at the church over the last six years. I've served as a deacon. Um, I've served on staff part-time doing some help with some preaching support and some of the maintenance duties over there for a number of years. Uh, I currently teach an adult Sunday school class there. Uh, I have a rotating class through uh, different apologetic topics, uh, systematic theology, um, and uh, different Christian worldview classes. So I love to teach. I love to preach. It's a passion of mine. Um, I'm a volunteer chaplain uh, at the Montgomery County Jail. So every week I have the opportunity to, uh, to, to preach and to teach a, a men's discipleship class and trying to um, just counsel men through different things, substance abuse issues, and various topics that uh, many men deal with uh, in partnership with, uh, with uh, incarceration. Um, and, and I just love, um, love that opportunity. I've been doing that since uh, I got saved, and uh, it's been 10 years here this October. So um, I, uh, I did not grow up uh, in, in church. Uh, I grew up, um, uh, I, I grew up attending church, I guess I should say, but I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, we, we attended church and um, went through a lot of religious activities and catechism, those types of things, but my heart was far from the Lord. Uh, and my understanding of the gospel was very much uh, works-based. It was very much that I needed to perform certain duties and obligations to be accepted by God, and that made me religious. It made me worthy of acceptance by the Lord. And so that kind of just uh, really was what I operated under for most of my childhood into my adolescence. And um, just through high school and into college, lived um, really a double life, uh, you know, kind of did the religion thing and went to church faithfully, um, but was partying and, you know, abusing drugs and alcohol. Um, just was a very angry young man. Um, I, uh, I never met my father before, still to this day have not, and so that always caused a lot of just kind of bitterness and, and doubt about the goodness of God and, and his sovereign care over my life, and you know, if God was good, how could he not give a father? As I, as I looked to you know, my, my peers and my friends who, who had good, healthy familial relationships, and that always just was a struggle of mine, and so that kind of jaded my view of God. Um, but... Uh, Ended up going uh, to the University of Dayton, which brought me down to this area in 2011. And um, just first few years of college, I was very lost, um, you know, just partied and, and uh, didn't, didn't know God. Um, and by God's grace, uh, he began to put some people in my life that were very affiliated and very connected with the Navigators Ministry. If you're not familiar with that, it's a, a, a very well-known ministry, mainly a young adult collegiate ministry, although they do do a lot of mission work as well. Uh, that was birthed out of the 70s revival in Colorado Springs. Um, but uh, the Lord just began to put some people in my life that, that shared Christ with me, that loved God, that were serious about Jesus. And I began to uh, honestly become jealous of them and, 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 and attracted to that hope that I didn't have, uh, even though I did have religion. Uh, there was something different that they had and they possessed that I didn't. And so I uh, just kind of started to keep attending more and more regularly. And uh, in the fall of 2014, I uh, ended up attending a, a conference up in Marengo, Ohio, northeast of Columbus, and um, the Word of God went out that night, Friday, October 3rd, and uh, John chapter 4, Psalm 42 was preached, talking about the living water of Christ that was offered to those who, who drink and 
turned to him by faith and that I didn't need to earn that, that free gift of salvation, but that it was offered to me by Christ's work on the cross. He paid it all. He finished it. And I just needed to receive. And so that was so refreshing to my soul to uh, be able to hear that and know that, that I could just, uh, you know, claim the merits of Christ and follow him and, and it be enough. I didn't have to participate in that. And so I gave my life to Christ that night and was born again. Um, and from that time, um, obviously, there's been many trials, many tribulations, and, and many seasons of, of difficulty, but the Lord has just done so much in my life. Um, ended up attending seminary at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for two and a half years, from 2017 to 2019, and earning my master's down there. Um, opportunity to serve on staff at, at UBC, to, to preach within the GDAB. Um, been able to travel different parts of the world and do mission work in India and, and church planning and orphan care over there for a little while. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, uh, the Lord's brought me my wife uh, by God's grace. In 2018, we got married. This August will be six years for us. Uh, our son was born in 21. So we have one two-and-a-half-year-old son named Jackson. And, um, you know, just, just grateful heart of gratitude for what the Lord has done in my life. Um, and so that's, that's a brief kind of four or five minute of me, um, just so you know kind of my uh, story a little bit. I think oftentimes that can lead to a deeper connection to the message is when you learn a little bit about kind of where someone's been and, and, uh, and where the Lord has taken them. So uh, we, uh, I and another um, pastor of mine, um, a pastor, a friend of mine, preach uh, every month at uh, Dayton Chinese Christian Church. And so I've been doing that for a number of years on Patterson Road there in the south part of Dayton. Uh, and we've been preaching through the book of James for some time now. Uh, we've been expositionally preaching through that book. And so much of my study time has been devoted to kind of mining out the book of James. And I thought that that would be a fitting um, portion of scripture to, uh, to take and bring, bring forth today. So that's where we'll be today. Um, if you want to open up to the book of James, uh, we'll be in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 18. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of context, uh, again, I want to keep us moving this morning. Um, and, uh, and so I'm not going to hit um, too hard on the background uh, information of the letter, although that is vitally important. But just to kind of give a, a brief foundation, this is Jesus' brother, James, uh, that has written this letter. Um, and he really becomes a pillar in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and so a lot of the early apostles, right, are, are, are fanning out into uh, Judea and Samaria and ultimately the ends of the earth and, and traveling and doing this missionary work. And, and we see that um, James' calling is actually kind of just to stay in Jerusalem and to really build up and le bring leadership to that church in Jerusalem. Uh, and so this was a very early letter. It was written actually prior to, to, to the Apostle Paul's letters. Um, this was probably about the mid-40s. And uh, we see that this, this letter is not particularly written to a specific church like the Church of Galatia or the Church of Corinth, um, but rather likely a kind of a, a demographical area of churches, almost as if they were kind of writing to the GDAB, so to speak. You know, where it's not one church, but it's a network of associated churches um, where, where most of the converts had uh, been practicing Judaism and been, been faithful Jews, but yet have converted to Christ and believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, have been born again, and now are, are kind of learning how to live out this new identity as a Christian, right? And that can be kind of difficult for us to understand sometimes is, is just how much uh, these early Christians here would have been ingrained in Judaism. It wasn't just a, a Sunday morning thing or a Saturday morning thing, we'll say, as a, uh, the Sabbath, the Old Testament was, was on Saturday, but, but it was their whole lives <laughs> were, were ordered around this. So now to, to, to learn how to follow Christ and to, to leave behind kind of the, the religion and the, 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 um, you know, that portion of Judaism, but, but yet in keeping with the, the ethnic affiliation that they, they didn't want to nor were required to surrender um, is difficult for them. And so that compounded with some of the suffering that they were going through, some of the persecution that these early believers were going through that we'll, we'll look at a little bit of in our text today, but it, the whole letter kind of talks more about. Um, they, they needed wisdom. They needed the wisdom of God. 
Did they not? And we as Christians here in 2024 desperately need the wisdom of God as well. And so as we move forward here, that's going to be kind of the theme I want to draw out of this text today. We're going to talk about wisdom today. What does that mean? What does that look like? How can we apply that to our lives today? So if I've got a copy of the scriptures, I want to go ahead and encourage you to uh, turn to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 18. Uh, again, the, the title, so to speak, of our message is, uh, is Faith, Wisdom, and Trials here. So the text reads this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God himself, or excuse me, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and is enticed by his own desire Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. I just want to take a moment and pray over our, our portion of text today. Heavenly Father, thank you for, um, Lord, just, just gathering all of us here today. Thank you, God, that you are a good and gracious God who, who welcomes the sinner and who builds up the saints in the truth of your word. And so, Lord, I just pray as we want to hear from your word, as we want and desire to grow and develop as followers of you, Lord, that you would meet with us, Lord, by your Spirit, that you would, you would grant edification in our hearts and minds in the truth of your word, Lord. And specifically, God, as we study the topic of wisdom, would we just have a deeper understanding and application of that in our lives, Lord? We want to submit to your word and to your will, and we know we need wisdom to do that. And so, Lord, I just pray that distraction would be far from us, that you would give me clarity in delivering this portion of your word, God, and give us all ears to hear. Lord, if we do have any guests with us today, Lord, who haven't yet made that decision to to put their faith, hope, and trust in you, who are still on the fence, who are still, uh, you know, just not sure about the claims of Christ, I pray that today might be the day that that you open up their hearts, that you open up their minds, that you grant them salvation and and belief, Lord. We know that only your spirit can route that in someone's heart. And so, Lord, thank you for the the privilege and the honor today. Thank you for these wonderful people here just coming out on this cold morning to worship you, to give you praise. Lord, I specifically pray as um, Pastor Mac is away, Lord God, and just you know, refreshing his soul in, in some time and in, in, in respite and time and in, in, in this conference that he's attending. Lord, I just pray for him. What a wonderful brother he is. Lord, just the, the brief interactions I've had with him, God, I pray that you just refresh him in you, Lord God. Would he come back just absolutely revived to continue to, to lead and, and preach faithfully, Lord? So, Lord, bless our time. We're thankful. We're grateful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From the beginning of time, the acquisition of wisdom has been a pursuit that humans have endeavored to strive for. We see in the book of Genesis that the ancient serpent, Satan, 
enticed and tricked Eve into eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil through, amongst other things, the promise of wisdom. From this point on, history tells us that mankind longs for wisdom on how to successfully navigate life on this earth. Ancient philosophers and writers have devoted their entire lives to pursuing wisdom. From Socrates to Philo, from Kant to Einstein, to possess wisdom is seen as, as the pinnacle of human existence by many. But even though wisdom is such a hot commodity, our world remains so far from wise living and so far from peace and harmony that is often the goal of the pursuit of wisdom. Why is this, though? How can we be so technologically advanced, so educated, so innovative and efficient, yet still struggle to deal with the same issues, same trials, and same challenges that humanity has been dealing with since our ancient ancestors? We see in our text today that ultimately navigating and living the life that God, our Creator, intends for mankind requires the wisdom that is contained in his word, applied correctly to our lives, without which we cannot and will not ultimately navigate this life well. But just what is wisdom? That word is tossed around very frequently in our culture today, but its meaning is often ambiguous and used within a variety of different contexts. So it's vitally important that we as believers put a biblical definition on it and we seek to live out its meaning. As we look at the scriptures, we see multiple uses of the word. So it is important for us to understand its usage in context for us today, as well as to seek to understand and submit to what James, as the biblical author, is intending to convey to the original audience and then subsequently to us. And so in context, we see James here calling us to, to ask for and seek for godly wisdom from the Bible applied to the, the, the various diversity of struggles, trials, tribulations, and temptations that we as human beings face in our everyday lives. So it's important that we heed this call and understand the benefits and the blessings of making this a priority in our lives. There's things that we often miss. There's things that we, we often will not reap to the fullest if we overlook the wisdom that God offers us. When we make decisions without the consultation of God's word, when we devise plans in our own minds without seeking the Lord's guidance, when we begin or end relationships without bringing in the intervention of God's word to that particular situation, we often fail to reap the good counsel that is offered to us. We often can find ourselves as a result of this in situations filled with regret, sorrow, disappointment, bitterness, and a lack of growth and development in our spiritual lives. So, brothers and sisters, it's very important that all of us don't miss what God has for us during these times. And we seek to bring in and apply the wisdom of the Word of God. If you're anything like me, I, I can often be impatient. I can often be so in a rush to make a decision that, that I want to get going with it. I want to move forward immediately in a particular direction. I, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting time or losing time to, to begin working on a project or get something started. It's passages like these, it's texts like these that, that help settle my heart down a little bit to stop and seek God and His wisdom so that I can navigate that decision better, that plan better, that relationship better, that, that, that struggle or, or puzzling scenario that I'm dealing with better and ultimately can glorify him more in his consultation of his word. So I want to present to you today, brothers and sisters, four biblical benefits of seeking the wisdom of God that hopefully you can be encouraged with. Uh, hopefully it will allow you to take a moment of pause and, and really bring in the intervention of God's word to our decision-making, to our trials, to our relationships, to the variety of things that we deal with in a fallen, broken post-Genesis 3 world. I believe that if we do this, when we do this, we will maximize our growth in the Lord and ultimately maximize glory to God. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So the big idea today, and this is how I generally like to preach, I like to give you one main point, and then we're going to look at some sub-points that kind of act as, um, you know, uh, legs on a chair, 
right? The, the seat on the chair is the main point, but the legs uphold that seat. And so that's kind of what I hope to do here. So the big idea I want to present is that godly wisdom is a necessity to obtain the spiritual growth that comes through trials. And in particular, a variety of trials. Okay, I'll say that one more time, and it's up on the screen if you did want to take notes. Um, godly wisdom, we'll talk more about that in a second, is a necessity to obtain the spiritual growth that comes through the variety of trials that the Lord takes us through in this thing called life. So let's put a, a little more specific definition, talk first a little about the wisdom of God, and, and, and I'm going to use some visuals here that I hope will, will help you understand this and the importance of this. This was really helpful for me to kind of flush this out and what I mean by this, particularly the wisdom of God. Um, and so when we talk about the wisdom of God, I have found it helpful to, to, to actually think of it as, as this bridge that connects God's word to God's world, resulting in godly living. Okay? It's a bridge that connects God's word to God's world, resulting in godly living. And oftentimes a picture is worth a thousand words, is it not? So when we take a text of scripture, okay, we have a portion of God's word, all right, um, we need to understand that uh, in order to live, that, that, that portion of word is going to speak to a variety of things, right? The, the, the Bible speaks to so many different topics in our lives, right? And we can see that illustrated on, up on the screen here, right? Is that we take God's word and we apply it in his world to a variety of different topics. Parenting, marriage, work, church life college career, etc. I could go on, okay? But even though the Bible does speak about all the things up there, and there are principles that, that, that intervene and speak into these topics, we also recognize that the Bible does not specifically tell us who to marry. It doesn't specifically tell us what job to do. It doesn't specifically tell us what church to attend. It doesn't specifically tell us what college to attend, okay? So, how do, how do we navigate that, all right? How do we take God's word and what it does say and apply it to the various topics in, in every, our everyday lives? Well, that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is that bridge that connects the gap between God's word and what it says and the application to the various scenarios, circumstances, and things, and decisions that we have to make in our lives, okay? And if you're still not quite tracking with me, let me give you one quick example, okay? This is not our text today, but I do think it is a good example, right? So take a text of Scripture. I'm going to take Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, okay? It's an exhortation to parents in general and fathers in specific to not provoke your children to anger, but rather bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, okay? So, so as Christians, we, we're called, all right, to obey this verse. We need to, to, to understand, to study this verse, and to seek to apply it to our lives, right? But how in the world do, do I take that verse, right, and, 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 and understand that there's so much that's encompassed under that, right? That verse doesn't tell me what I should do as far as regulating how much screen time or social media use my child should use. This verse doesn't tell me how involved or, or what particular ministry maybe I should encourage my son or daughter to, to participate in. This verse doesn't tell me whether it's, it's best to, to teach my son to, to, to have morning devotional time, evening devotional time, both devotional time. Right? And so it's, that's where wisdom comes in. And when we seek and stop and, and ask for the Lord's intervention and guidance to take a text of Scripture, and Lord, help us to apply that in this particular scenario, he will do that. He's generous to do that. Does he always give us a, an exact answer as far as, you know, specifically to some of these things listed on the right here? No. But we are called to, to the best of our ability, seek after and apply the wisdom that God gives us, um, text of Scripture to, to the various scenarios that we deal with, okay? So, so that's the role and the function of wisdom that James is talking about here, all right? Is we have a portion of Scripture, how do we 
allow that to penetrate and pierce into God's world and apply it to the various struggles and the various questions that we may have. And anybody who's a parent uh, knows that, that all of these things up here are things you're probably thinking about, things you've had to deal with, things you've had to navigate as a parent. And that's where wisdom comes in. Okay, So hopefully that it just kind of maybe helpful a little bit to flush out um, where kind of I think James is, is, is trying to, to, to pierce into these early believers and get them to see the, the importance, the role, the function of wisdom, okay? So as we go through here, let's take a look and dive into the main portion of our, our, um, our sermon today. I, w- I want to bring forth from this very text four biblical benefits the wisdom of God brings to us, seeking the wisdom of God. Uh, allowing the wisdom of God to, to intervene, pierce into our lives, waiting on it, being diligent to pursue it and apply it. So the first we're going to see in verses 5 through 8, and we'll walk through this together here, okay? So the first benefit is, is just understanding, brothers and sisters, that, that wisdom is available from a generous and listening God in times of need, that we survey God who desires us to come to him. We serve a God who, who is listening to us. We serve a God who, who is here and ready to dispense this when we need it, if we're confused, if we just don't know how to navigate a particular situation, a particular trial, and we are in need, he is here. He is available. He is a wonderful and gracious God. It says in verse 5, if any, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach. We don't have to fear that God is going to, you know, smack us upside the head, so to speak, for asking for wisdom. We don't have to fear that God is going to get angry for us to to seek him in a time of need of counsel and guidance and discretion and discernment in a particular scenario. And I don't know about you, but that, that gives me hope. I mean, that gives me comfort to know that that's my father in heaven, that he's not going to go, oh, you got to come asking again about this? Oh, you know, I I just, you know, how many times are you going to come to me with this? And I think, you know, for maybe somebody who, who, you know, particularly may not have grown up in church, and I know some of the the men I minister to in the jail, um, this this is kind of hard for them to grasp. And this is hard for me to grasp personally. Maybe it's not for you. Um, but, but again, I, I feel like, you know, I grew up kind of with a jaded view of, of fatherhood. And so to hear that this is my father, this is who he is, this is how he responds, this should give us peace, should give us comfort, brothers and sisters. This is our great God here, okay? And so it's readily available. And our asking, um, it displays that, that we recognize our need. Somebody who never asks never needs because their need comes sufficient in themselves. But one who asks and recognizes that, that I desperately need God in my life, and that's right, a good place to be. That's a great place to be. That's where God wants us to be, that we need God, right? Let him ask. Any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Ask him. He is generous. He will give without reproach. We don't have to fear his fatherly discipline or reproach when we ask. Uh, part B of that um, is that our asking excites God. It excites God who loves dispensing fatherly guidance. At the end of that verse, I've already hit it here a little bit, um, but it says it, it will be given to him, right? So, so the character of our God is, is to supply us with what we need, is to meet us in our struggles and to meet us into the, some of the, the situations that we need help with in our lives. It excites God. I just want to ask you today, do you believe that? Do you believe that it excites God when you come to him in a time of need? That it just tickles God that you come to him and he's excited about that? I don't know, sometimes I feel like I I, I begin to kind of doubt that. Sometimes I I feel like I lose sight of that a little bit, just how excited God gets when his children come to him, right? Think about that as a parent. Think about that as a parent. You know, I, I love when my two-year-and-a-half-year-old comes to me and, and uh, needs help with something, you know, putting, on, putting on a pair of socks, putting on shoes, uh, you know, whatever it may be, he needs help. It excites me because I know that he's, he's wanting me to intervene. He's wanting me uh, to help in that situation. 
It's also important to know, brothers and sisters, and recognize that, that even though our asking isn't without struggle, um, the call of the believer, the call of Scripture here is also to make sure that we're, we're sincere in it as well, right? Um, this, this verse is going to talk about and, and, and kind of call out um, the double-minded man, right? Who is the, who, who the double-minded man here, okay? Uh, we're called to ask in faith without doubting, Verse 6 says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. And it's kind of a sobering second half to, to this little portion of Scripture here, is it not? So let's talk a little about who, who is the double-minded man, okay? Well, uh, first of all, the double-minded man is, is not this person, all right? It's not the person, say, in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, right? Uh, the man who, who takes his son to Jesus and, and wants his son to intervene in healing. Um, and he says, you know, if you can do anything, Jesus, um, you know, help me. And he says, if, you know, all things are possible for those who believe, right? What, is the double, what does this man say? He says, I believe, help my unbelief, okay? So the double-minded man is not someone who, who believes but is struggling to believe. It's not someone who, who does believe in Jesus, who has faith that God is going to work in this, who, who is seeking after Jesus, but, but who is struggling in it, who has a difficult time holding on and grasping to the truths of God's faithfulness, of God's provision, all right? That's not the double-minded man. So put that fear aside if that's you this morning, you know, because at, at all times, it's, at sometimes it's all of us, right? Rather, the double-minded man in Scripture is someone who, who just has not made up his mind whether they even believe in, in the character and, and really the, the goodness of God at all. One day they're over here and they, they just have renounced and a complete disbelief in God's faithfulness, complete disbelief in um, you know, God's active provision and intervention in their life, but then the next day they're, they're all on board. They're, they're, they're just left and right, back and forth, up and down, black and white, there's no, excuse me, consistency. Um, they're all over the place. That's the double-minded man, okay, the double-minded person. So um, this person, my exhortation, if, if that would be you today, would be to, to sit down and, and really spend time studying the claims of Christ, okay? I, I say that as just a, a loving exhortation to you this morning to, to, to your first uh, um, step in obedience to this is, is to, to understand where, where are you going to lay your foundation, Okay, Jesus is the foundation. He's laid that for you, uh, he, but he requires a commitment to that. So that's the first step for you. Um, and so this is not someone who may be struggling in their faith. Okay, and I just want to bring that as an encouragement today. Let's move on to point number two. So the second biblical benefit that wisdom brings to us, our lives, is that wisdom sustains us in trials when we are more prone to disbelieve, okay? Wisdom sustains us in trials when we are more prone to disbelieve. It's in seasons of doubt that we tend to, um, excuse me, it's in, it's in seasons of trial and temptation that we tend to doubt, all right? We see that in verses 9 through 5, uh, 13 here. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I mean tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So undoubtedly, there are people in the congregations here that are experiencing this pressure, that are experiencing trial and temptation uh, and, and, and just the, the hardship of this time in their life, and they're crying out, I'm being tempted by God. God is doing this to me. God, why are you doing this? God, I don't believe that you're good. God, I'm struggling. You know, and and that's the cry of their heart. And so James is wanting to, to bring in this wisdom to, to say, hold, hold on a sec here. Hold on a sec here. Don't start blaming God for this trial. Don't start having a, a, a jaded and, and unbiblical view of, of God here 
just because life is, is difficult for you, just because circumstances are, are difficult, right? But it's in those types of circumstances that, that all of us are more prone to disbelieve, to struggle to, to believe and have doubts about our faith and the character of God. We, we just need to call that for what it is. These early believers were going through it. We go through it as well. And so we need the wisdom of God uh, and, and its application to kind of help keep us stable, keep us steadfast during this time, all right? And one particular struggle that I think is illustrated in this text, particularly verses 9 through 11, is doubt and dismay can frequently come in seasons of financial difficulty and oppression. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've experienced that before. I've experienced that before is, is where, you know, a particular pressure that I think really can kind of shake us, especially as American Christians, is, is financial difficulty, is financial, um, you know, insecurity. And maybe you have, maybe you haven't walked through that, but it's very clear that uh, there, there's some type of um, maybe oppression or we don't know exactly if there's some sort of... Um, you know, just, just overall economic instability, economic struggle amongst these early Christians, uh, and they are um, they're struggling, and they're, they're, they're allowing that to kind of bring some doubt and disbelief about, about God, his faithfulness, okay? And, and, and James is kind of speaking into this, and he's saying, you know, hey, actually, it's, you know, don't, don't allow the, 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 the veil of riches, the veil of worldly resources and, and stability to think that, 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 you know, that's what makes that person secure. That's what makes that person, uh, you know, faithful. That person's going to fade away if all their hope is in their riches. It's not a sin to be rich, but clearly the, the rich man, the, the midst of his pursuit, you know, the aim of his charge is, is, is his stuff, is his possessions. And, and James is saying, hold on a sec here. Don't, don't buy into the trap that that's going to save this person. Don't buy into the trap. That's that stability. That that's security. No, 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 no. Security comes from the Lord. Security comes from God. God is going to uphold you, no matter if you're you're lowly or humiliated. You can actually boast in those things, because you will be carrying on uh, by the Lord's strength each and every day. And so, um, wisdom it, it renews this eternal perspective on life, on work on our possessions, it refreshes us to get our eyes off of this world and the things that caught and tempt us to cause the doubt, to cause, you know, struggle, and to say, okay, wow, probably most of the stuff I'm worried about doesn't actually matter. I don't know if you've ever had that realization before, but <laughs> that's, that's a lot of it. Probably the stuff I'm so anxious and troubled about doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. But oftentimes, if we're not maintaining that eternal perspective on life, on work, on houses, on possessions, on all the things, it can just so surround us and get us so anxious and worked up and cause us to doubt and disbelieve. And I think, again, we don't know all the details, but I think something like that these early Christians are, are experiencing. And we can learn from that in what the council was here. Okay, So kind of... Moving into verse 13, I've already read it, but let's unpack it a little bit further in point number three uh, to get more specific, and, and that is that wisdom prevents us from blaming God for our suffering and sin struggles. So, so very clearly here, he is saying, let, let no one say, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For, so he's going to give the reason why no one should say that, God cannot be tempted with evil. There's reason number one. Number two, he himself tempts no one. Okay, so when, when we stop, when we settle in and, and seek God's wisdom, kind of bring ourselves back to that, it helps us maintain a perspective that, that vindicates God and understands the source of sin. And that is so important, especially in our culture today, right? You know, we just, I can't tell you how often I hear people say, you know, I, I just refuse to follow Jesus or I'm not interested in following Jesus because how in the world could Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Trinity be good and be powerful if there is such evil, wickedness, and just sorrow in this world? And that's a problem of evil, right? And philosophers and logicians call it the problem of evil. 
Uh, some people try to actually pit it against the Christian gospel. Is it, is it trying to discredit the Christian faith because of the problem of evil? And, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't for many reasons. But one is that, is that this very verse talks about it, is that that's not how God created the world. Uh, that, that we, as humanity, have turned away and chosen our sin and plunged the world into the depths of darkness and evil and into the hands of Satan. Okay? And so when we, when we adopt this biblical perspective here and, and allow the wisdom that's here to speak into our hearts, um, God is vindicated. God will always be vindicated. And the source of our sin will absolutely never be God, uh, and it will always be us. Um, and a couple more, reasons, more reasons to unpack this further um, that James gives us here, right? He says, for God cannot be tempted with evil. All right, so God... Um, cannot be tempted by evil because he one he created the tempter. He is the ultimate creator. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe that knows no boundaries with time and space. He is from everlasting to everlasting, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the first and the last. And so Satan is a created being. And so God cannot be tempted because, one, he created the tempter, but two, he's not subject to doubt regarding his own being and character. We are subject to doubt because of our fallen nature to disbelieve the perfect character and being of God. But God is not subject to those same, um, you know, flaws, those same blemishes that, that skew our thinking. And so this is another reason that God cannot be tempted by evil here, and, and ultimately he's vindicated in this verse. Um, and it goes on to say that... that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So very clearly here um, that, you know, and if you've ever had that, those seasons, right, where there's a particular sin you're struggling with, there's a particular sin that, um, you know, is just really trying to ensnare you. You feel like it's constantly crouching and knocking at the door. Um, you know, don't allow yourself to think uh, that, you know, God is, um, you know, it's God's fault, you know, that, that God is, is, is trying to uh, tempt you to fall down and walk down that path. Uh, make sure you're attributing that sin correctly because that's going to help you find the solution ultimately, right? We first got to be honest about our sin and where it comes from. Then we can look to the solution in Christ. Um, but, but our fleshly desires... Our fleshly desires, verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So it's, it's clear that these some of these early believers, again, were, were probably just feeling this pressure, feeling this temptation, uh, and starting to attribute their struggles and their sin um, elsewhere, all right, God circumstances, those types of things. Um, and, you know, I hear that, um, I, I've experienced that in my own life. I hear that a lot in ministry uh, over the last 10 years is, you know, you walk along someone and, and uh, you try to gently just, uh, you know, walk through some of these scriptures together about, about where, where is the source of this struggle in your life? Where is the source of the substance abuse issue, you know? Uh, and, and it's so often, it's, it's difficult for people to, to grasp that, at the very root of it, it's not my circumstances. At the very root of it, it's not my spouse. At the very root of it, it's not my, my boss, you know. Um, but rather, it's, I'm not saying that those aren't factors uh, in, I don't know anyone's situation, but at the end of the day, this, this verse very clearly in, indicates, you know, that, that it's the lure and enticement of our desires that God calls us to put to death that also give birth to that sinful action. Um, and so all that to say that, that, that when we, um, when we're working through this, uh, if, if you're struggling with that, if you're, if you're walking alongside side somebody who's struggling with that, uh, bring in this text to, to vindicate God and, and really to show that, um, you know, he is still perfect, he is still flawless, he is not the author of evil, uh, he is not the creator and the tempter, um, and that ultimately uh, we ourselves are, are, are led astray. Um, when, when we give ourselves over to desire. Number four here, um, the last biblical benefit of uh, 
of seeking wisdom is in this text we see, and that is that wisdom allows us to understand God as the ultimate creator, provider, and merciful God who gave us the new birth, okay? I think James is, is wanting to, uh, you know, he, he kind of pierces in with the dagger, right, and, <laughs> in verses 13 through 15 here, but then he's going to stop and he's going he's to get their eyes back up on uh, that majesty of God, the power of God, uh, the, 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 the sovereign providence of God here in these last few verses, right? So he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Don't, don't, don't think for a second that anything good in your life comes from something other than God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. The Father of lights, it's, it's meant to represent the, the creator of the cosmos, the sovereign Lord of the universe, the one who has created all things, who upholds everything by his supreme word. He has, has intervened and granted you everything you need and everything good in your life, and he never changes. He stays the same all the time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ is. And there's no variation to him. There's no, there's no shadow of his real being. He, he is who he is. He's pure. He's trustworthy. He's true. He can be relied upon. He's provided. He's merciful. He has wisdom in store to us. He is the sovereign creator of all. This gives us great hope to remember in the midst of instability, in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances that are changing, that are fluid, that are difficult. Rather, God remains the same, brothers and sisters. God is faithful. God will remain for all eternity. And he's not just faithful as far as in general and, and, and in, in his own being, but rather he has intervened in your life of his own will. He made the decision from eternity past to bring you and I forth who believe in Jesus Christ by the proclamation of his word to make us a first fruit, to give us new life and change us forever and safely bring us into his kingdom. God uses the human preaching of the gospel to impart new spiritual life into sinners. And he has done that in you and I who believe. So if you're tempted to think that there isn't value in the word, if you're tempted to believe that there isn't, isn't value in, in setting aside that time, diligently seeking the intervention and application of God's word, uh, into your life, the, the fatherly guidance that he dispenses to those who seek him. Allow these few verses here to, to absolve you of any such notion. Allow these verses to show you the power of the word of God, the transformative nature of the word of God, the hope of the word of God in your life and the life of those around you. Allow it to move us to share the word of God, to bring the word of God and the human preaching of it into people's lives who are in darkness and death and lostness. And so, brothers and sisters, as I seek to, to, to bring this message to a conclusion, I wanted to give you some specific points of application. That's typically how I like to preach, is to uh, kind of wrap things up with, with very specific things or just specific points to take away. We call them at UBC takeaways, because um, I think that is helpful. A lot of times you, 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 know, you hear somebody preach, and they, they give a message, and you, you know, what do I do? I want some stuff I can take away. And I think it's helpful to have some things you can walk out, right? Because, um, you know, our, our study and our application of the Word of God, right, as believers, it's not, uh, it's not just on Sundays, it's, it's every day. So if you look at a couple today, excuse me, five of them today, I'll work through these, just kind of talk, made some comments on them. Um, and these are just basic things. These are, these are not profound in any way, but hopefully they're clear and they're biblical. Um, in appreciate for 10 years and I'll just admit, early on in my preaching, there was just such a, a temptation to, to be a profound speaker. And you preach for so long, you get to the point, and it's just like, you know, who cares about that? Just be clear. I'd much rather be clear, be to the point with people, and, uh, you know, to really get people to understand. Um, and, and anyway, just <laughs> side sermon there, but that, that's kind of my heart these days. Um, and so, brothers and sisters, let's just consistently ask God through prayer for wisdom. Let's consistently ask God, not just for, for, for strength and for help, but, but Lord, if there, you know, there's a specific scenario 
my son, my, my daughter is, is starting to walk away from the faith. Lord, help me. Give me specific things that I can do, Lord, to intervene in this trying time. Lord, I'm going through a health struggle right now. I don't know how to walk alongside my spouse, or I don't know how to deal with this myself. Give me your wisdom to apply certain portions that speak into this, into what, exactly what I'm going through, Lord. Lord, my kid's about to approach school age. I don't know how to do this, private, public, homeschool. What am I do? Lord, give me, that's the stuff I'm talking about. Ask consistently for specific wisdom in those scenarios. Number two, find peace that a sustaining faith is, is more eternally valuable than a sustaining worldly income. Income is great. God calls a man to work, provide. But ultimately, every single one of us get the pink slip tomorrow. And where is our hope? Where is our peace? Where is the sustaining stability in our lives? I think James is speaking to these believers, and he wants us to, to recognize that it's, it's not in the midst of, of the pursuits here on earth that we're involved in. Rather, it's in God. It's in God himself and his sustenance in our lives. So that's what we'll sustain. That's what we'll carry forth. And that's where we need to derive our peace from. Number three, don't blame God for trying circumstances. Rather, be grateful for the eternal benefits being sown in you through them, right? God calls us to grow, but, but he grows us through trial. He grows us through temptation. He grows us through the difficulties, all right? So don't miss your trial as, uh, you know, just a, a, a difficult time, but rather see it as a time that, that certainly is difficult, but is transformative at the same time. God wants to transform you. God wants to change you. God wants you to grow and develop and mature in your spiritual life through that, that you might be able to walk stronger in him and be able to lead others better through that in the future. So recognize that and be grateful for the trial of variety of kinds, right? Because God is working an eternal benefit. Verse 12 really highlights that. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's not the crown of a great job, the crown of a great paycheck, the crown of health, but rather the crown of an eternal life with Jesus. And that's ultimately where our hope is. Number four, identify and uproot Sinful desires that are leading you to, to sinful actions. This is a big one here. I talk about, a lot about this in my ministry at the jail where, 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 where men are, are struggling with various sinful actions and, and they want to, you know, well, I just won't go over to this place anymore or I just won't go over to that place or I just won't hang out with this person. And, and I, I say to them and want to encourage them, you know, that, that's great. That's great that you identify that, but something deeper going on, brother. Something deeper going on here. Just, just not hanging around those people is good. But there's something going on in you. We also need to work on concomitantly with that. And that is the desire in our hearts that, that's pulling us in that direction. And so allow the Word of God to come in, the Holy Spirit to come in and, and to change those desires, to free you from that. And allow God to change you that you desire Him. And you desire what He wants. And that's an everyday battle. And it's not something that you snap your fingers and done. Um, but, but don't be fooled into thinking that, that merely a surface level, superficial solution to, to a struggle or a sinful action in your life or, or someone maybe you, you're speaking into is going to get it done. We've got to go deep, deep into the depths of our hearts to root out the sinful inclinations that pull us in the direction and influence our actions. And number five, I, again, I, it's my first time speaking here, and you know, I, I don't know, maybe we don't, maybe we do have, have guests or aren't quite sure about, about where they stand with Jesus, they're not quite sure about, about the claims of Christ, that, that who he is, what he offers, but I just want to leave you with this, if that's you. And, you know, I talked earlier about, about some bad news that, that, one of our ancient ancestors, are the very first man and woman, they, they got tricked. They got tricked into thinking that they could obtain wisdom apart from God. But I just want to share with you today, friend, if that's you here today and would fit this, is, is that that's, that's not the end of the story. We're not all here today to celebrate that. 
We're celebrating that there's more to the story of Genesis 3, is there not? Genesis 3 beyond into Revelation and and the rest of the story is that, that we have a, a good and gracious God who, who made a promise in Genesis 3.15 that, that He would send one to crush the head of the one who tricked our ancient ancestors. That we have one who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, who came down from heaven and lived a life that you and I could not. We have flawed, we have sinned, we have not obeyed God as we should, and there is an eternal consequence for that before a holy God, and that is death, separation from Him for all eternity. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come down from heaven, and He's put on this this fleshly body like you and I have, and He's faced the temptations like you and I do, but yet He's said no to them all, and He's lived flawlessly for us. But He... And didn't just do that. He also offered himself up on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago to die, not for his own sins because he had none, but he died for our sins to absolve us and forgive us and cleanse us and wash us from all the debt that we owe God for our sin. He took it upon himself and became to us righteousness. And all and any, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter what language you speak, no matter what ethnicity you hail from, He welcomes you into His kingdom by trusting in His sacrificial death for you. And if you have not done yet done, uh, believed in that this morning, if you have not yet made that decision and commitment, I want to just encourage you, think about that. Do that. Don't wait But follow Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Trust that He is enough. He paid it all. And that you will embark on the greatest journey and just experience life like you have never experienced before. To lay down every night and be able to know that your sins are forgiven. That nothing in this life will separate you from God. Neither life nor death. Things present, things to come. Powers anything because Jesus has been made yours and you have been made his. That is hope today on this cold Sunday morning. So brothers and sisters, um, today let's just remember. Let's remember that our God is gracious. Let's remember that there's wisdom available and that he wants to grow us through our our seeking of that. Um, And let's remember ultimately that uh, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. So godly wisdom is a necessity to obtain the spiritual growth that comes through trials. Uh, If I haven't had the privilege of uh, meeting with you, or if you did want to speak further about anything that I said, um, please come talk to me. I'd love, be my honor, to be able to talk a little bit more here at the end. Um, But with that, uh, I want to pray and just close our time of the word and uh, and move forward in, in response and worship. Heavenly Father, thank you again for um, the time you've given us. Lord, I just pray that just even in this brief portion of Scripture, everybody in here just maybe took one thing away. Uh, I recognize that, that we live in a world where, Lord, we, we have sermons and podcasts and videos available to us at our touch of our fingers. And, and so often, Lord, we just we don't stop and really... We think about just uh, how significant your word is and, and, and we can become inundated so much that it doesn't have carry the same power as it should, Lord. But, but I just pray that, that just a couple things, Lord, that we might all take away and, and respond and, and live out this week ahead, Lord. So Lord, thank you so much for being a generous God. Thank you for the work you've done in us. Thank you for the work you're going to do. And thank you for this church here. I just pray... As I go forth uh, today, Lord, that you continue to grow this church. Um, Lord, that you would put your sovereign care and hand upon it. That you would just absolutely pour out your Holy Spirit through and use the church here to reach the Vandalia Butler area. Uh, that, that people don't know you, Lord. Neighbors, um, um, people who come into Vandalia to work, people who are traveling to meet family, Lord, that they would just somehow get connected with this body, Lord God, and, and just 
understand and be greeted by the grace and mercy of Jesus and just be overwhelmed by it and put their faith in you. Lord, missionaries that are supported by this church, uh, that you would continue to uh, powerfully work through them and uh, raise up and, and bless, multiply their efforts, Lord God. Young ones downstairs, Lord, young ones yet not born, Lord, that you would just absolutely surround them with your care, surround them, Lord God, and rear them up and, and allow them to uh, be influenced by, by Christ and by his word, Lord, not by the, the competing influences of the world. And so, Lord, I just pray, bless the rest of this time, and uh, thank you.